Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. How are things going in weaving land for you today? I have a great episode for you. And before we get started, I wanted to share one of my favorite yarns this week, which is Tencel. I'm guessing that a lot of you already have experience working with this splendid fiber. It's a cellulose yarn, which means it's plant-based, and it's wonderfully soft and smooth and shiny and very strong. So you're not gonna get those pesky broken warp thread. It's often considered an economical alternative to silk with a really similar luster and shine. And it's lovely for scarves and shawls, and it's machine washable. The tensile yarn in my shop is made in Quebec, Canada, and comes in a beautiful range of colors. You can see them all, plus a free Tencel scarf pattern that I created at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 34. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode 34. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Emma Rhodes. I first met Emma about a year ago when she and her dog Gouda came to visit me in my studio and shop for yarn for a weaving exhibition she was working on. This past summer, she started working with me as GIST's studio and community coordinator, where she collaborates with our beloved weaving community to create weaving patterns and inspire other weavers. She also keeps our shop studio organized and sparkling and lovingly packages up all of your yarn orders. So today I wanted to introduce all of you to Emma and also to give her an opportunity to share about an exciting new loom that she has been developing and will be for sale soon. Hi Emma, I'm so glad to be talking to you on the podcast today. Welcome. Hi Sarah, it's so great to be on here with you. Thank you for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards being an artist and a weaver? My name is Emma Rhodes and I was born and raised in Boston and I was in the Boston public school system um, all throughout high school and we didn't have a whole lot of money for art and extracurriculars um, so I didn't really do a lot of it at that age um, but when I went to college I actually started out at Lesley University where, um, which was affiliated with the Art Institute of Boston and I took a couple of classes over there and one of the professors saw that I was really happy in her class and we actually did some frame loom weaving and stuff and it was a, it was a folk art and craft class, hmm. I believe. Um, yeah, and so she took an interest in me and she was also assistant dean. Um, so she kind of took a chance on me and let me in to the Art Institute of Boston without an official portfolio because I didn't have one. Um, so that was really fortunate and that's kind of how I got started and I took all my foundation classes there. And then I, I remember going to Mass Art one night with a friend who was studying there and she was just showing me around and we just stumbled upon the loom room um, where all the weaving is in the, in the yarn closet. And I don't know if, how many of you listening have been there, but it's like a scene from Hogwarts <laughs> or something. It's just incredibly beautiful. Um, and I was just enamored and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do next. And I was applying within a week <laughs> after that without really knowing how to weave or anything. I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. And what what was it when you got there at MassArt that kept you excited about the loom and about textiles? Well, I actually, I didn't even take a weaving class right away. I think it filled up. So it wasn't until my second semester um, that I finally got into it. And it just felt like what I had been looking for. I'd always experimented with sewing, with knitting, um, 
I, I tried quilting. I, I was always loving materials and trying to find a way to work with them, but nothing ever quite stuck. And um, I've always loved yarn. And like it says in my um, profile on your website, I had a skein of yarn that I just cherished when I was a child that my mom bought for me at a farm that we went to and I never unraveled it. It just stayed as it was. Um, so I've just always loved materials as they are, not even necessarily having to do anything with them. I just love appreciating them. And yarn is such like a beautiful one to like how it comes on cones and in skeins. It's just really beautiful. Weaving was a way to use materials, but also still making a material with it. Um, so I guess that kind of interested me. It was like a way to build with a, a material. Um, and I found that really interesting. And it, it's the first thing that I've stuck with ever for this long. What kind of materials and looms and equipment do you find yourself most drawn to? Um, I, we learned on um, Macomer looms, which are made right in Saugus, which I love. So that was what MassArt had. Um, they all had eight to 12 harnesses. And so when I was a senior, I got a small scholarship to work on um, my senior project or to buy equipment with. And I ended up buying a Macomer eight harness loom from a woman in New Hampshire whose aunt had used it um, and it had recently passed away. So it was really nice to take on a piece that had meant a lot to someone and, you know, she knew it was going to a good home. Um, so that's the only loom that I have at the moment and I, I love it. I, I hope to eventually add on more harnesses as well because it has space. Um, yeah, and in terms of materials, I've always, I spend a lot of time in school looking for, we had like a sample books of some of the most common sources for yarns that we use, but I, I spent a lot of time Googling and looking for more unusual materials. I like really thick textured things. I like one of the weirdest yarns I use is um, kind of a variegated, it's a cotton that's coated with polyurethane. Um, it's a fashion yarn from Italy. Um, this is this woman in Dallas, Texas, I believe, who has these yarns that are sourced from Italy that are just incredible. Um, but she's not super good at marketing. So it took some digging to find um, these materials. And so that kind of ended up being the premise for my work as a senior. Um, I ended up finding materials that were kind of reminiscent of construction or like the polyurethane yarn looked a little bit like drywall, you know, when it's crumbling. And I found another thick wool yarn that looked a little bit like insulation. Um, so I kind of began, and the, the title of the show that I had at the end of the year was called Building Material, which was kind of a play on the fact that I'm building this material and also it is kind of reminiscent of materials that you might find on a construction site. Um, so I'll work with really anything. My yarn shelf is full of a lot of just yarn right now, um, but it's a very wide range from plastic to wool to silk um, and all sorts of thicknesses. And I love neutrals. I can't get away from that. <laughs> Can you tell me more about the building materials exhibit? It sounds really intriguing. Yeah, I um, So one thing that I struggled with in school was that kind of the way that we would display our work for critiques was just tack up our weavings with T-pins. Um, and I never really liked how my work looked like that, really flat against the wall. Um, and I really loved my weavings when they were in my studio, rolled up or you know in a pile or bundled up. 
for storage. And so I started experimenting with that and putting them on the floor, much to my um, teacher's horror. Um, she was like, how can you be putting that on the floor? It's so beautiful. Um, but I, I wanted to display them kind of haphazardly or in rolls or just so that they look like they're waiting for something to be used for something. Um, so it was very sculptural, much more sculptural um, than I'm working now, per se. Um, so, and I would make um, kind of, so for example, one of them was this giant waffle weave that I wove with this thick, thick wool, um, so thick that I had to make string heddles to, for the loom to accommodate it. So I kind of, I like hacking the loom too, to make it work for me. Um, so, and I, instead of just having it on the wall, I loved how it looked kind of folded and rolled. Um, and I actually made, originally I displayed it with fire brick, but that was really heavy and not functional. I remember having a show and having to lug bricks for hours <laughs> into the gallery. Um, so I, I made bricks um, that are fake out of floral foam and orange peel texture spray that you can find at Home Depot. Um, that you put on walls. It's when people have those textured walls and ceilings and um, spray paint. And then I kind of made like a stack of bricks and then put the waffle weave on top of it folded. Um, and that was actually on display a few years ago for Fiber Arts International in Pittsburgh. So that was really fun to have my work travel for the first time. And then another piece in that was the one made with the polyurethane yarn which kind of looked like the crumbled drywall, as I mentioned. And I got a piece of drywall from Home Depot and I screwed it into the wall and then I kind of draped the textile over the, um, the, the drywall square. So I was kind of creating uh, conversations between these recognizable building materials and then my own building materials that I was making. And people received it really well, so I was happy about that. I, I didn't expect people to necessarily understand because it felt Conceptual, very conceptual to me, but it's fun to work that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear you diving into talking about displaying your textiles because I see that as a, a big feature of your work. And as you mentioned, like both conceptually and also you've put together really beautiful displays for custom work that you've done for artwork for people's homes. How do you think about displaying your textiles and building those displays? Yeah, so since school has ended, I've moved more into wall hangings and interior textiles. And people want them, you know, it, it's difficult to display something flat that isn't framed because people don't typically frame textiles sometimes. But it's, there's something about having it behind glass or that I don't really like. Uh, I just like having, I like that people can go up and feel it if they want to. You know, it's different than a photograph. In that sense um, and also framing is incredibly expensive if you get it done well so it's you know up, marks the price way up which I don't love to do so I started trying to think of different ways that I could display things and I don't like them flat against the wall I usually like them to come out a little bit um, and luckily through mass art and through um, some of my past employers I have like a huge network of makers so for example, one woman ended up buying that polyurethane piece that I mentioned earlier. She had this beautiful arched window in her house and she didn't want to put a traditional curtain over it because um, it felt too 
it, she didn't want to hide the natural beauty of the, the window. And this piece is very sheer, um, so I brought it to her house and we decided there's a lot of dark wood in the house to, to match. We decided to make a beautiful um, walnut arched hanger. So my friend Greg Hunt, who has a studio in Newburyport, made me this beautiful hanger and it was great to work with him. Um, and she loves it and it just complemented the piece so well and her room. So that was the first time I really collaborated with someone else to make this vision because it was something I could never have done on my own. Um, and so I had a show coming up at that time at a gallery called Room 68 in Provincetown. And I loved the wood, but it was a little more expensive than I could swing um, at that time. So I decided to look into a similar hanging option, but with steel. So <clears throat> I have a friend named Frank who has a company called American Handcraft, and he, his <clears throat> studio is based in Dorchester. And he helped me design, and my boyfriend Nick also helped um, make these beautiful hangers out of steel, and then it's been blackened. Um, and we designed it to fit the gallery, so some were coming from the ceiling and some were coming off the wall, and they would kind of overlap each other. And the textiles were just draped um, delicately over the steel and then secured with little magnets in the back. So it was different, and the response was mixed. Some people, <laughs> a lot of people would ask me how much for the, the, the rack. <laughs> overlooking the textiles so that was a little bit frustrating but you know you just never know how people are gonna receive things and it's always mm. interesting to hear feedback um, but, but that showed me that people like the way that I'm choosing to display things so I decided to keep going with that <clears throat> and I have another idea now um, that will kind of celebrate I love how it looks at the beginning of a weaving when you've tied on to your apron rod and then you start weaving with your toilet paper or fabric or whatever you use and how it kind of draws in and looks really beautiful. So my new idea is to kind of celebrate that beginning stage of a weaving that we normally do not show. So I want to have um, two short square rods at the top and bottom that will be slightly off the wall with little spacers and just screwed in and then have, then tie the weaving to the top and bottom so it will be taut. So it'll be designed kind of to look as if it was woven on there, but it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just want to celebrate. I love those knots at the beginning and, and how it draws in. I, I just I think it's really elegant. Um, so thinking a way to, to show that to people who aren't weavers, because whenever I show someone a weaving in progress, they, they point to the toilet paper, which I use to start, and they're like, that's so beautiful. What is I know. That? Isn't that so interesting? When I first learned how to weave, I remember walking around the looms in the classroom and telling my teacher that my favorite part was the like ugly purple polyester ribbon that everyone was using at the beginning. And it really is. It's like, it's intriguing. I never thought about it, that it's because of the way that it draws in. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's neat that you're putting that into a display, the pieces that we, yes. that we cut out and hide. <laughs> Well, and also, um, and looking at other weavers on Instagram, I love seeing how everyone starts differently. Mm. Um, like we learned with toilet paper, but a lot of people don't use mm -hmm. that. You know, it's kind of a funny thing to use. So, so yeah, um, I love that starting point, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that looks in a purposeful yeah. way. Yeah. 
Another thing that you've been hard at work is developing looms that are also meant to be used as frames for other weavers to use. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I, I had this idea for my own work for quite a while, but I've never pursued it fully um, as a way to have a frame loom, which I also don't have that much experience in working with, but I'm interested in doing more, that also that you use as a tool, but then you keep the piece in there as a frame. Um, and you keep it on your wall that way, and it looks beautiful and elegant just as it is. And I've seen a lot of interest in that recently because frame loom weaving has become so popular and people are wanting to keep their weavings in there, but sometimes the loom doesn't look you know, so nice for that purpose. It's more of a tool. So I'm designing a frame loom that will kind of looks like a traditional frame loom, except the wood is maybe a little thicker, but it's just two cross pieces forming a rectangle and there will be holes cut into the bottom and top that line up so you'll just thread the warp through the holes and then you can weave right on it and then just put a nail on your wall and hang it either vertically or horizontally however you see fit and because of the the overlap and the cross pieces you can also have a bunch in a row and kind of form a really nice looking grid um, and we'll also post photos of this so yeah, I'm super excited to see where that goes. I'm excited to use them myself, and I hope other people like them as well. Yeah. So how are you getting these made? Uh, well, first, I went back to my friend uh, Greg Hunt, and he made the first couple prototypes, and they were gorgeous. But we decided that we might need a CNC machine to make the holes because they're small and close together. So then I went to my friend Liz Welsh, and she lives in Providence, and she works for a woodworker there who also lets her rent studio space from him. So she has access to these amazing tools, so including CNC. So now she is making them, and we're working on the final prototype right now. And then she'll start working on a batch, a small batch of about 50 of them to start. Yes, and when... Will they be available and how can people find out about them and where can they buy them if people are intrigued about this? They will be done at the um, beginning of October. So then we'll probably spend a few weeks promoting them because they're going to be available exclusively through Gist Yarn um, at this point. So yeah, we're really excited to start um, sending out some teasers and you can either follow me on Instagram, um, it's at Emma E. Rhodes or just Yarn on Instagram, as you probably already do. Yeah, I'm really excited to carry these in our shop and to share them with people. And I think it's a really new kind of idea um, to have something that's both beautiful to create on and beautiful to frame. And um, I'm just excited to see what our community makes with all of them. It's been fun to problem solve and, you know, choose the wood and choose, you know, and just working with these people who know more about woodworking than me to figure out the best design and to and then to figure out what customers want you know so this first batch might be kind of a test run and we'll see we'll get feedback so it's just fun to work on developing something like this i've always been interested in product design um, but it's not my background at all so this is a fun way to kind of get into that yeah. So we're talking right now in early September, and I think it was early spring that you first shared this gem of an idea with me. And it's been interesting to hear about your journey as you've been working with different people and refining your design and, and figuring out a good, beautiful way to get it manufactured. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited. 
hopefully. Uh, and I think I'll probably make some, you know, keep about a few of them for myself to also make like a series on, which will be fun. So, and then we'll probably make some kits with warp yarn to sell through you. Mm -hmm. um, so there'll be lots of different angles to approach it. And I'm excited. Yes, indeed. And we're going to have lots of photos of these also in the show notes for this episode so people can see them on the website. So in addition to your own studio practice and your own work designing and manufacturing these looms, I'm really, really lucky to have you working with me at GIST. Um, and one of your roles here is collaborating with other weavers in our community to create projects that are inspiring people to weave with materials from our shop. And I'm curious what some of the exciting projects are on the horizon that people can look forward to seeing and reading about. Yeah, well, right now we're very much in the learning phase of figuring out this um, kind of Friday inspiration pattern kit. Po you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what is making people feel like they're getting the most from this. Um, so I've been looking for weavers that are work, willing to work with us to design a pattern that's in their style, but also fits the, the interests of people that are reading these blog entries. So we've learned that we have a lot of um, four shaft loom weavers, rigid heddle weavers, not a whole lot of people have more than four shafts. So, you know, learning to tailor these patterns to the readers has been really interesting um, and fun. So one of the one that's coming up in a couple weeks that I'm really excited for because our alpaca patterns have been so popular is um, one of my classmates from MassArt, um, Morgan Hale, who recently moved to Brooklyn after a few years in San Francisco. She's going to be working on an alpaca scarf pattern for us with four shafts, and it looks like it's going to be really nice. She started posting some photos on Instagram already. So that will be in a couple weeks. Um, and then I am going to be making a small um, set of waffle weave cotton towels that could be used in the kitchen or in the bathroom. So that should be fun. And then we're going to continue to explore more rigid heddle patterns um, for rigid heddle weavers. And I recently found a vintage rigid heddle loom from the 80s at, at a, a thrift shop. So, and I've actually never used one, so I'm excited to learn how to do that. Um, and then this week, specifically, we've been working on creating downloadable PDFs of each pattern so that you can have something to have with you at the loom or to look at more closely on your own time without being on the website. So that should be fun. Yeah. What do you look for when you're picking weavers to collaborate with and how should people reach out if they're interested in participating? Yeah, I think the, the, one of the main things is photography is really important. Um, so if I look at someone's feed and it's just gorgeous and inspiring, I immediately want to reach out to them. Um, it's been so fun spending time getting to know the huge weaving community that's on Instagram that I didn't even really know was there until a year or so ago. Um, finding other weavers is not doesn't feel like they're easy to come by. Occasionally, I'll, I walked into a friend's house last year and the, there was a floor loom in the living room. And that was like, whoa, but that does not <laughs> happen much. Um, so definitely photography is huge. And then obviously design sensibility, um, interesting patterns, interesting material use. Um, we're, we're going to start structuring it a little more, maybe putting out some calls for either specific projects like we're looking 
you know, say we're looking for a scarf that's made out of our wool, you know, things like that. So we might start exploring the idea of putting out a little call for pattern creators um, on Instagram and such, so you can look out for that. And yeah, it's been really fun to get going on this the last month or so. Yeah. And if you are listening to this episode and you have no idea what we're talking about, you should go to our website and take a look at all of the beautiful projects that um, Emma has been working on curating from people in our weaving community. If you go to gistyarn.com slash blogs slash journal, and I'll also link to that from the show notes, you can see the really wide range of things that we have. You know, we have throw throw um, blankets and we have wall hangings and we have um, rugs. Uh, it's, it's really fun for me to sit in my little 470 square foot studio and look ar around at the eight shelves of yarn and think about just the huge diversity of things that people are creating with these materials. Um, so yeah, that is that. And Emma, where can people go to find out more about you and your work on the internet and social media? Well, right now I'm pretty much just using Instagram, but I am going to be launching a new website later this fall, probably by the end of October. So you can look for that then. But right now, Instagram is really where I'm keeping things active. It's my favorite tool. It's a pretty fun one for weavers. Yes, it really is. <laughs> and what's your Instagram handle? Um, at Emma E. Rhodes. Okay. And we will link to that. And do you have any closing advice or words of wisdom for weavers out there? Well, I have found personally that when I feel stuck, I always try to find new yarns that inspire me. So I, since school has ended, I have found myself in a bit of a rut, not creatively, not really knowing what direction to go. I was feeling kind of bored with the, the yarns that I had. Um, and honestly, when I found Gist, I... I just loved your selection so much and I now have so much of it and just finding that new source and like in the fact that you were so close and then seeing all the other people using these yarns like this has just really invigorated my process and I'm weaving more than I have in a long time. I've been working on it pretty much every day recently so I'm really happy about that. So I would just say keep finding new materials if or if it's structures that interest you, you know, Keep buying new books, learning new things, try a different loom. Like, for example, I'm going to try rigid heddle weaving for the first time. Um, so, yeah, just keeping it fresh and trying new things to find your own voice. Well, Emma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for all you do inspiring our weaving community. I'm so glad to have found you as a neighbor and friend and now person that works with us. Yes, thanks for having me. And um, anyone, feel free to send me an email. If you have project ideas, you can email me at emma at gistyarn.com. Or if you've already made something with Gist Yarns and you'd like to share that, we can also work something out for you with that. So, yeah, we're always looking for new contributors. So please do not hesitate to say hello. Thank you. Take care. That's a wrap. To see photos of Emma's work, as well as those gorgeous new looms she mentioned, go to the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 34. And if you're intrigued by these frame slash looms and want to be the first to know when they're ready for sale, there's a spot in the show notes for you to leave your email address. Emma is making them in small batches right here in New England, so if you want to make sure you can grab one as soon as they're ready, do make sure you leave your email. That's www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 34. 
Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Karen Hostletter, the founder of Mountain Meadow Wool Mill. This is a very special small mill in Wyoming dedicated to building out a market for locally grown wool. Karen's yarn is very popular in my shop, and I can't wait to share her story with you. Tune in next Monday for that episode, and until next time, happy weaving!